welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined by my co-host and very hot friend, Stu Lennon. How's the heat doing out there, Stu? <laughs> well, actually, it's not too bad here. It's not too unexpected. But uh, the current Mrs. L is in is in the land of her her provenance, the land of her ancestors. She's in Sicily, which is hot, hot. I mean, proper hot. Um, she's staying with a friend, a friend whose apartment doesn't have built-in aircon. Uh, and the temperature, I think yesterday or the day before, reached 47.9, which in Fahrenheit is, oh my God, it's hot. Um, I mean, that's that's properly, um, that's desert heat, 47. Um, that's halfway to boiling, isn't it? <laughs> indeed. And half the streets were, well, all the streets were, were empty. People were just going, oh no, no, I can't do this. I don't, I will, no. Um, so everybody has their shutters down, sort of lies down and just waits for the sun to go away and becomes nocturnal. Um, so I think there are other places who've got it really bad as well. I think parts of the States have got it really bad. Um, certainly sort of Southern Europe, uh, Spain, the Canary Islands, uh, Greece, they're all really, really struggling. We're touch wood. Not that unusual here. I'm sort of mid-30s, which is kind of par for the course at this time of year. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, I'm all right. I'm a little bit worried about Mrs. L, who's, you know, she's she cancelled a road trip because uh, the road was melting, um, which I suppose that's that's a reasonable reason to cancel a road trip. I wonder how you claim that one on your insurance deductible. Exactly. Yeah, just just horrible. Um, and to make matters worse, in Sicily, one of the airports burst into flames. Um, they're not quite sure why, um, and that meant that all of the other all of the traffic was sort of directed to Palermo, um, which is the airport that my wife uses, uh, where the air conditioning has failed. So that's gone well. Um, so they've got double the amount of traffic, uh, three times the amount of heat, and absolutely no air conditioning, um, to the extent that a passenger uh, collapsed and died at check-in yesterday. That's that's nice. I think um, we've figuratively all been there before at check-in. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, I think just to everyone who's, who's uh, you know, in hot places, stay safe. Um, this heat really is quite dangerous. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm tickety bit. Are you hot in Canada? Are you aflame? No, we're not too, too bad. Uh, we were out yesterday for dinner. It was about 33 on the patio okay. at uh, six o'clock at night. So mm -hmm. um, not too bad. To, uh, our area gets warm. Um, it's quite a dry warm, so... I'll take it, um, but you know, uh, the warmer it is, and it's only the middle of July, the more wildfires we're going to be dealing with this year. So, aye, 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 that's always fun. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, probably a bad joke after uh, uh, the temperature there. I was going to say, how's the single life, Stu? Have you burned the house down yet? But um, burning the house down may not be the right analogy. I'll, I'll figure out something else here. Um, yeah. Well, cricket. How, did you watch Five Days of Cricket? Oh, well, I mean, it's currently is day two uh, of the fourth test, um, as we record. Uh, England are making a, a reasonably good fist of batting at the moment. Uh, I won't tell you any more detail just to get you fall asleep. Um, but, oh, week one, I was on spring break. So uh, Mrs. L was away um, at the witching hour, which we'll call, I don't know, six o'clock in the evening, still warm. I would uh, I'd go into the kitchen. I'd mix myself a little cocktail. Nobody gave me that look. 
Not even the dogs. They were very relaxed about me having a cocktail. Did they share and it with you? Just, uh, no. Uh, and I, I'd sit on the, on the terrace drinking a Negroni, watching a, a bit of sport or maybe a movie, just thinking, oh, this is quite nice. I quite enjoy it. Oh, shall I have some wine with dinner? And, you know, just living la vida loca, really. Um, but week two now, we, we just entered week two, um, two days ago, and I, I'm being sensible this week. So um, I, I haven't been drinking. No cocktails, no wine. Um, I, I may have a cocktail tonight. I may have a little sharp, or perhaps a glass of wine with supper. Um, but uh, I'll be very, very uh, abstemious. The cricket's on. Uh, and also the Open. Um, we won't get into the naming conventions because that gets far too difficult. But golf-wise, it is the Open, the original Open, the one that takes place uh, in the United Kingdom. Um, and... Uh, I'll be watching bits of that out of one eye, cricket out the other. I mean, I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled, Justin, spoiled for choice. Um, but no, otherwise it's been all right. It's been okay. Uh, oh, and while we're here, I'll give you my follow-up. Um, Darren, uh, he of the Fountain Pen Habits, newly acquired. He's he's inked up his pens. He got some nice green inks from, um, from Colt Pens, I think. Oh, actually, I think he may have got them from Nero's notes, but I don't want to blow my own trumpet. Um, and he's he's been working away, enjoying that. And he's he's asked in Slack, so where's he going to go next? Uh, which I assume means means pen wise. So I've sort of gone back with the expected questions. You know, I've gone back to him about the writing pressure, uh, and I suppose most importantly, you know, does does he want to upgrade or does he want to sort of mill around down at that that end of the market for a while? Um, so yes, more to come on that, I am sure. What about you? Have you got any follow-up? Anything exciting from Canada this week? Nope. Oh, boring. Boring. I've been boring this week. All right, then well, tell me about your tool of the week. That'll be exciting. Oh, podcast editing. Boy, it takes time. Uh, so I've got in the habit of, I podcast edit. Uh, it takes up an entire evening. Uh, basically, I only have a couple of hours free in an evening after I do everything from um, have dinner and take the dog for a walk and all that stuff and the usual chores that one does. Um, my wife, well, she decided that she was going to make plans on that day Ooh. with her brother to go for a glass of wine. Ah, boy, did that make for a miserable crunch <laughs> editing a podcast. It's like, I know I don't get paid for this time crunch. So, um, yeah, it was yucky. Um, so yes. Uh, this whole single life thing that you're talking about, Stu, I'm kind of looking at that a little jealously at the moment, thinking, oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Ah, uh, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I, 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 hang on. It would be apart from the fact that my wife is very selfish. So not only did she go on holiday, but she took the person that does all the cleaning up. That person's not here. I can't find them. Uh, she took the person that uh, fills up the dishwasher very efficiently. That 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 person's not here. Uh, she took the person that sort of generally directs me in the right sort of general direction when I places I should be going, things I should be doing. Um, it's honestly, I've had to do all of those things myself. I should be having stern words with her when she returns and tell her to bring these people back or not to take them away in the first place. That's what I'm going to do. Mm. Uh, you know, you could do what I do and. Uh... Just eat the same thing off the same dish every time. Just give it a, a campsite wash. You don't have to worry about the dishwasher. It's fine. <laughs> but you've never seen me in a kitchen. I am I am a human tornado. Um, boiled eggs, 
three saucepans, six plates, 14 pieces of cutlery. I have no idea how I do it, but um, it just, I, I am born to make mess and less interesting cleaning it up. Uh, even, even the lady who, who comes and cleans for us once a week, she comes for a few hours, does a bit of cleaning and ironing. She, she has that sort of, <laughs> sort of bombshelled look after, after Margaret's been away for a week. She comes, you expect me to clean all of this? Um, and that's with me trying, honestly. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm just born that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. What's your tool of the week this week, Stu? Uh, well, exactly that. All of this uh, single living. And, uh, you know, I, I do the dogs anyway. Um, but because Margaret's not around, then I have to be much more conscious of my time and how long I'm away. So if I go and play golf, um, you know, it'd be great to, to maybe go and have lunch with friends. But that means leaving the dogs alone. And so I can't do that. Um, going out in the evening. Yeah, I could just go. I could go up the road to um, there's a little restaurant here. I could have something to eat, a couple of beers, maybe. But that means that the dogs are left on their own if I've already been out during the day. Uh, so, yeah, it's it consumes the time. So all of this free time that I think I've got um, disappears, and partly because I go, oh, I'll just binge watch that. I'll, oh, I'll watch that season of this. And so I find myself actually probably with less time than I would normally have mm. when I'm just hiding in the office just in case my wife finds something for me to do. <laughs> That's interesting because uh, when my wife's off, um, I don't turn the TV on, which is completely the opposite i won't binge watch anything i just don't watch anything mm. yeah it's i think because i've put it out on the terrace and uh it's just the whole um living the dream thing of going sit on the terrace put a tv out there cocktail in hand it just seems something i should do as the sun sets um and i have about a million and one things around me burning to keep mosquitoes at bay <laughs> they quite like dusk if that's where they feed oh yes i am very aware of this <laughs> and did you know i wasn't aware of this but it's only the females that bite uh women or um mosquitoes mosquitoes i'm talking yes all right i wasn't sure Stu. i i mean hell anything could be possible what goes on behind closed doors in cyprus um no i did not know that and uh, that's probably one of those weirdly um uninteresting details that will stick with me in my frontal cortex for the rest of my life well the thing is i'm not sure i believe it because i having said it a few times people have, t- have told me this as the truth and i thought well how do the males survive that can't be true because that if they don't eat presumably they die like maybe they just don't eat you maybe they've got a better palate i don't know they're vegetarian who knew that's it that's it um maybe it's just that the the wives eat first. I, I, am, uh, I can understand that one. Please, dear, after you. Uh, I'll take a note and look it up. I will find out. Oh, we're going into some territory we should not go into, Stu. We're going to get in trouble. Let's talk pens instead. Well, you've got a you've got a nice little range here. Tell me about your pens and ink of the week. All right. So I had reasons to write. Um, so my friend around the corner, my neighbor. Um, gave me the book so he wrote uh when he was going through some uh rougher times um a few years ago he wrote basically a journal for himself okay um and we were talking about journaling and we were talking about pens and he gave me the book to read which is uh, just a huge honor uh, the only deal was that after i read it i had to write in the back of it 
Um, and the book is highly personal. It's amazingly creative. Uh, he's one of these people that draws and writes straight up and straight down and across and he writes all over the place um as the thoughts come not in complete sentences just in you know like thoughts um which is for for my logical brain um it's, it's troubling you know it's like watching uh what's his name austin cleon work or something like that mm -hmm. compared to me that write in sentences with dates and punctuation and you know very analytical so I've, I've read his book and really enjoyed it, uh, but I then needed to write. And this is, this is his tome. This is his therapy. This is his innermost thoughts. And that was a serious question to me of what ink would I use and what pen, what nib would I use for this? Um, so after, well, a couple of days of me digging around in my head for what am I going to use? I, I picked up the Platinum Classic Cassis Black, which is a iron gall ink. It starts as a bright red mm -hmm. and becomes more purpley black over time. It's a permanent ink. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was a perfect sort of archival ink to, to write in somebody's treasured recollections. Um, and then, of course, you're going to think, well, what what nib do you use? Because, well, a fine nib is, you want something with a little bit of flourish on it, but it's not a particularly fountain pen friendly book. So you don't want to go too thick and just have a blob that kind of looks like a J at the back. So um, I picked a uh, Birmingham Pens Company. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a, a lovely acrylic pen that they made that has a fine... Uh, cursive italic in there, okay. um, which just gives that little bit of finesse to my handwriting. It makes it look a little uh, more serious than just, you know, block capitals. Um, but yes, I, I loved it. I, I wrote that and then I've been writing on everything and it's amazing to watch this ink change from this sort of brightish red mm -hmm. and just get darker and darker as the day goes on. It's inspired by um, black current. That's what cassis means. It's um, it's black current. So just like black currants, actually, if you, you know, as you see them ripen, they go from this sort of dark, rich, purpley red to to, to black. Oh, it's very clever. Well done, platinum. Yeah, I love I love these inks. Um, I've been using this on my analog card. Uh, the one Stu loves with his analog uh, with his uh, fountain pens. <laughs> sure. And the one thing that I found is that uh, I write my list in the morning and I come back to it and uh, fill in one of my little dots next to it when I get something off. And I can see the contrast in the same ink, you know, a few hours later. It's amazing. Sure. Very cool. And then, of course, uh, well, yesterday was my anniversary. So, well, I had to write a card. And cards, you can't use the same ink. You can't use the same nib because cards i don't know what they use for fountain pen or for um, paper inside of it but um it's one step down from the toilet paper aisle in the supermarket the stuff just sinks sucks ink up or is coated in some kind of plasticky stuff and won't take ink at all so you've got those two choices mm. but i was determined uh so i had a, a new ink come in uh yesterday it or day before uh, it's called 
1969. So it's a little bit off, but it's a blue ink by Robert Oster uh, that is specially made for a company in Quebec. Uh, and this one is a very, very lovely dark blue, like a, a bright, bright blue. Um, not quite Bay State blue, but it's sort of from the samples that I saw online, it was kind of getting to that bright. Uh, I inked that up in an Estebrook SD Nouveau Blue. I think I'm going for this French theme with the stuff that I'm writing with, Stu. It would seem so. All these Quebec connections, French inks. It's very impressive, you know? Oui, oui. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I wrote that up, wrote my card to my wife, uh, because you got to put something nice in there. Um, so, yes, I had two new pens and ink of the week, but they were carefully, carefully thought out. And they were lovely. I enjoyed the experience. I'm probably talking about them way too much. But anyway, there we go, Stu. No, not at all. What did you use? Very good. Uh, well, I've, I've cleaned two. Um, I've, they've got, uh, they're just sort of, I flushed them out a few times. I put some water in them. They're sitting in a, in a little glass awaiting my attention after we finish recording. Um, so that was the Pelican um, 600, the Vibrant Orange, and the Sailor Pro Gear. So they're both done and clean, and I will dry them off and put them back in the drawer, uh, which means I'm working with the, the Mont Blanc, uh, the Rouge Noir Héritage, which is a very thin pen, which I can't write for a long time with because it just doesn't really fit my big fat fingers. Um, and I'm really enjoying the Lamy 2000. And that, that for me is quite weird because that's a pen dominated for me by the ink. Put the wrong ink in a Lamy 2000 and it's horrible. Um, and no offense, Lamy, but any of your ink in a Lamy 2000 is awful. Um, for me, and I believe it's a very personal thing. So I've got some uh, Iroshizuku in there, um, which is, you know, nice free-flowing wet ink. Uh, and I love writing with the Lamy. So that's what I've been working with. And because I was on a long business call before we got on, uh, taking lots of notes, because that's what I do. Um, yeah, I suspect I'll be cleaning this one out. So it'll be time to go to the drawer and get something new and exciting out of it, I think. Oh, that trip to the drawer. See, you can make it into a multi-day process the way I do. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about it and agonizing over it. Very fun. Yeah. The best yeah, part of playing with Ben's. I will be considering what to use, whether to get out the, you know, Pilot Custom or maybe a Platinum or perhaps another Sailor. Decisions, decisions. Um, and yeah, making sure that I, I go with an ink that I like. Um, I'm going to start making, I think, signs for, for my office that, you know, life is too short for dry ink. I think that's, that's going to be my new, my new slogan. I just hope people never come to visit you at home and have to, you have to explain that one, Stu. <laughs> well, you know. It is what it is. All right. Our topic this week, as one Stu suggested, do defer, delegate, or discard. Training company special. Uh, kill oh, that yeah. list. <laughs> How did you know that I have a training company? Um, yeah, look, I think this is this is quite a short, snappy one. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's what I use for, I guess, review time when we're we're doing our, our GTD esque systems or GTD in its purest form, if you like. Um, when I'm looking at project lists and tasks lists, what, what I ask myself is, okay, do I want to do this, defer it, delegate it, or discard it? Um, so what I want to do is act on it in some way, um, although 
Many might argue that defer is not really acting, and I think they've got a point. So I try and avoid that too much. But for me, it's a way of of dealing with, uh, you know, potential overwhelm. So I have, I'm sure you've got an even bigger one, but I have a huge list of things, projects, tasks that I want to get done, some more urgent than others, but they come from a multitude of areas. So I've got the the sort of jobby job consultancy grown-up stuff. I've got the Nero's Notes stuff. I've got uh, my writing stuff. I've got my study stuff. I've got my domestic stuff. I've got my sport stuff. All of these sort of feed things in. Uh, and sometimes I look at them and just go, oh, it's too much here. I don't know what to do. Um, and that's the whole purpose of a review is to just get control of all these things. Um, and we can't beat an acronym, you know, all those Ds, just keep going Ds. Alliteration is the way forward. Mm. All right. So maybe we should work through your list here. Okie dokie. Uh, well, I, I guess I want to start. Let's, let's talk about capture. And when you do this, you do this at a review. So you are capturing everything then into this list. What are you using for capture and where does this list of things reside? This for me is after capture. So when I'm doing capture, I am very, I have no filter. If something occurs to me, then it goes on to either a note card or into my phone, into things directly, um, or frankly, anywhere <laughs> I might capture it. If I'm doing something else, I just try and get the thing out of my head and put it down somewhere. And at my desk, that would usually be a, a folietto card, uh, which is friendly. Um, and so I'll just jot it down there. It goes into the in-tray, and then I will, not always at review time, sometimes it will just be at the end of a day, I'll say, okay, let me get all this stuff into things. Things is my, um, what do you call it, the one source of truth. Um, everything goes in there, and then I will, at review time, I will ask those questions about whether I want to discard, defer, delegate, or do, not necessarily in that order. Um, and I will start building out projects and I'll start the sort of organizing of my tasks. But as a second part of my review, I'm looking at what's already there. So once I've sort of processed that capture, what have I got there? Are there things sitting on that list that are just sitting on that list and not actually moving forward, not getting done, not making the cut? You know, what are these things? Is there cruft to use a sort of buzzword? Um, and with me, often there is, because I will, um, I'll be very universal about my capture. So anything that goes into my head, yep, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. I've got to do that. And I do sometimes have to ask myself, well, do I need to do that actually? Or was that just an idea? Is that something maybe that lives in a, in a sort of someday maybe list? Or is it something that actually was just a passing thought and probably just needs to keep passing? You know, I think all of those things are, are legitimate, but What's important is that I have to look at my lists to make that trusted source trusted. I don't want to open up my task manager and see this mass of sort of unconsidered or ill-considered even um, tasks that have no real place in the way that I want to live my life. Um, and so I think this is, for me, is extremely important because otherwise, I can very quickly get to the stage of going, I'm not opening things. 
because <laughs> I don't want to see what's in that. No, 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 no. Mm. Um, particularly as I limit notifications. Um, but can you imagine if you didn't limit no notifications, you didn't do this, you just have this deluge of reminders. That would be horrible. So it, it, for me, it's, I suppose, that taking control stage. It's that um, filter stage where I go, okay, do I need to do this? Is it important? Is it actually something that needs doing at all? So that's where you get to delete. Is it something that maybe there's someone else in my world that should be doing that? Um, because I have a terrible tendency of seeing the easiest solution to things is for me just to do more. Um, and that can be really counterproductive because it means that you're, or I'm trying to do too many things, doing them all quickly rather than doing the important things more thoroughly. So um, I think, I know delegation is a word that that gives you a twitch and I, I dare say we'll come to that, but I think it's a, it's a legitimate choice. Um, defer um are for things like me i mean um i've got a project that i put onto my list i would guess in the spring um and it's things that i need to get done in in my garden um around sort of the irrigation system and uh, i need to move a lot of gravel around that's one thing i need to do uh, and there's a whole list of things and it's now 35 degrees in the shade it's i mean it's just not going to get done um, and so is it going to get done sometime in the future? Yes, it is. When the weather changes, will it be something that I delegate? Quite possibly. But right now, what needs to happen is it needs to go and live in defer. So it needs to, to get out of my face because I'd put some, some deadlines on it that I would not deadlines, some, some dates when I hoped for this to come up in my task manager and I would, um, dedicate some time to getting the things done. And I, I'm just busy. There, there were other priorities. It's not the end of the world, but I need to deal with it rather than just let it live there. And by deferring it, you know, just like with OmniFocus, changing those dates when they will appear means that I can I can push it out of my views that are sort of day-to-day -day views. Discard. I think it's quite straightforward, isn't it? Um, the, those things that I capture and say, okay, I'm going to do that. And then I look at it and go, well, no, actually, I don't have to do that. That was not something I need to do. Um, and I just delete things. Hmm. And I think it's important to look at things and go, is it important that I do this? Yes or no? Don't don't be afraid. If it's not important that you do it, then it probably shouldn't be in your task list. Mm -hmm. You you could put it into a someday maybe, sure. But again, be careful of using someday maybe as a, as a dumping ground. I think it's really, really easy to fill your day doing lots of stuff, ticking things off. That's not what productivity systems are for. Productivity systems are to make sure that you're doing the important things, that you're focused on, oh, I hate to say it, Justin's going to fall over, moving the needle. Ah! There you go. The things that are really important to whatever it is you're trying to achieve. That's what productivity systems do is they help you identify that. They help you strip away all of the other stuff to get down to the things that you need to get done to move forward in the way that you'd like to, that aligns with your values, your plans, who you want to be, what you want to do. And discarding stuff is an important part of that. And I'm loath to do it. I've got this sort of completionist streak within me. Um, and it's something I don't naturally come to. So this is why do, defer, delegate, or discard helps me. 
because I know that I have to be strict with myself about this sort of thing. Do you do any discarding? I do a little bit of discarding. Uh, generally, I guard my inbox a lot more carefully. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what you're looking at is done before something even goes into a pile where I'll look at it again. Sure. And I think that's probably the one difference that I have in terms of systems than yours is that uh, I'm doing this very forward thinking. What am I doing? What am I, what am I looking at? Why am I looking at it? Why is it on my mind? And then I generally make a decision because I think like you, um, I, I don't want to be just, you know, moving deck chairs around the Titanic, mm -hmm. which is moving an item that is really not important in the grand scheme of things from, well, we'll put it from this deferred date. We'll move it over here to someday. Maybe we'll put it over here. Oh, I'm in the mood for it this week. We'll put it back there. Um, it's, if, if I'm moving it that much, if I'm touching it that many times, it it's, shouldn't even be in a, a to-do list. Um, and I think that's really for me, uh, how I kind of protect that, um, is not get to the part where I have to do a lot of this. I've, I've gone in with a lot of things. Once I capture them, um, they are generally something that I've already thought about. I've got an idea of what I want to do. I may not do, you know, if I'm in the middle of a meeting like stew and something comes up, oh, I got to follow up on this. Uh, that's not necessarily going to get the time and everything entered at the time, but I'll make a note to go back and, you know, I'll generally put it in my inbox um, and go back and deal with the scheduling aspect of that because most of my stuff has schedules on it. Um, but yeah, I think that's the one difference that uh, I have from used to is I really take a, a walled garden approach to my inbox. Uh, I only want the nice flowers in there, not any of the weeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm trying to get there. Um, I, with email particularly, I have, cause I have sort of three email systems running, I suppose. Um, uh, well, yeah, I do. I have one for a client which lives in, in Outlook. I have one that lives in Apple Mail, which is corporate-y, but I can kind of manage that with um, with rules. Uh, so the Mac will, you know, keep some of those weeds and send some of those, you know, important updates to to folders that I don't need to to grab my attention. You know, that keep my inbox clean. Um, and then my personal stuff all lives in in Hay, which has that sort of, you know, very opinionated flow of how things work anyway. Um, but it's the stuff outside of email that tends to get me. It's the things that crop up either through conversations when I'm talking to people um, or when I'm doing something else. Um, and, and, you know, I just get one of those bolts from the blue into my head. I, I guess it's because I'm such a scatterbrain, but the minute I start focusing on studying, then 25 things relevant to one of the businesses come into my head. Mm. And those things, rather than try and... Um, do what you do there and apply a bit of a filter to them there. I just immediately capture them into the inbox and then go, okay, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that part of times that I'm, I'm looking to, to discard is when I'm dealing with the inbox or looking at things that have maybe got through. And I think, well, why is that sitting in my task list? I'm not sure it should ever have got there. I guess hopefully I'll get better at that. Yeah. What are the differentiators I make? is what is an actual task yeah. and what is just a thought. 
Um, and I know that sounds a little, no, no. you know, I'm splitting hairs. Um, if I have something that is a thought that I want to mull on, I will use drafts and I'll do a quick capture in drafts. Um, one of the nice things about that is I've got a complication on my Apple watch so I can push the button and I can talk a whole bunch of junk mm -hmm. and it just captures it as its own note in drafts. But that is not anything that, um, I'm going through and saying that is something I need to do. That's just, you know, I've got an idea about a project. I've got, you know, something I want to look up, you know, those kind of things go there tasks really for me are things that are going to move the needle Stu. move the needle it's all about moving the needle that's it but uh that's really the differentiator that i make you know if i've got sort of a random thought that goes to a different spot um i guess you know if i went and applied this model to them yeah i guess it's kind of what i do you know i look at it and say is that something that needs any action at all you know maybe i need to put it into um obsidian and draw little lines from it to a different note and no i've i've kind of given up on all that stuff but <laughs> the idea that uh yeah th there's a place that is just a repository for random thoughts is, is a nice place to have and i think maybe is what keeps my task list a little cleaner for sure for sure i guess that's where i'm trying to get to is 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 that sort of cleaned up um filtered sanitized list um and I keep the, the processes separate because I don't want to hamper my capture until I get to where you are, I guess, where it's a more natural thing to combine the capture and the, um, the translation of capture either into, oh, hang on, this is, this is a little bit of random thought that needs to go and live here, or this is an actionable task. So I'm aware that I put things into my inbox that are not actionable tasks, and then when I'm doing my review... I look at something and go, okay, what is the actionable task from this? Mm. Um, and I'm just, I don't think I'm quite up to, up to, to combining all that into one process at the point of capture or doing so would distract me because I'm a, yeah. uh, oh, look, squirrel. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a problem I have. Oh, do you know how many um, notes I have in drafts that say, oh, look, squirrel or something similar? <laughs> Well, probably too many to count. Uh, I think I even have a tag for it called Squirrel Thoughts. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's it's fine. You know, it's it's whatever system works for you. It's it's a question sure. of looking at it and figuring out what are the majority of the thoughts that you have. What's the best place for you to capture them, and what cycle do you want to deal with them on a review? Because you know the the one thing that you do is if you put everything into a task manager inbox then you have to deal with those at some point. And that kind of just kicks that can down the road a little bit until yeah. you're, you're dealing with that. For me, the clutter creates too much stress. Um, that would, I, I'd have thoughts in there that I then would become uncomfortable because they haven't been categorized. Mm -hmm. So I think I just, I push a lot of this to the front end. Sure, but sure, sure, sure. I did want to have a bit of a rant though, Stu. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't have any strong opinions about delegation, do you? Oh, delegation. Um, delegation's fine. Um, but I find it is the productivity podcaster's crutch. I, I don't know what it is, but the way when people talk about this, it just rubs me the wrong way. I'm too important for this. 
Therefore, I will give it to some less important peon to do my menial tasks. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to reply to emails. I will set up a text expander and have somebody that just replies back to the emails for me. Yeah, it's, it's probably efficient, but it just comes across as we're not building others up. We're pushing them down, and it really strikes me the wrong way. I'm not saying all cases on delegation are bad. There are times, there are places for it, but just this, um, you know, uh, well, it's good. Somebody needs to book my flights at my hotel for me. Um, you know, if you're someone like me, that's picky, you're, I'm not going to like whatever you do anyway. And you're going to have to redo it three times because, you know, <laughs> um, I just have, challenges with this attitude that I can just delegate anything that doesn't add value. And I get, I get that, you know, there are ways to do that, that there are times to do that. I don't think any of us are too busy to do that for everything, you know, sure. nowadays, but it, it's, it's not like the old days when you were booking a flight and you had to get your travel agent involved. Um, nowadays you go online, you click three buttons, you tap your watch and boom, you got a flight wherever you're going. But I, I hate that. I mean, one thing that I would love to have back is a travel agent. That gives skills and expertise and yeah. tells you what's wrong with that flight. You've just booked your butt into for the next six hours. Yeah. Particularly for, you know, when, when we were doing some long haul stuff, um, a good agent who knows you. And as you say, you know, you have to build up that trust. They have to understand what you value. They have to understand where your sort of red lines are. They have to understand whether you would prefer to spend a hundred dollars more or to, uh, you know, get some sleep. Um, you know, all, all of those types that they have to have a decent understanding of you, of what drives your, your travel choices. But for long haul trips, you know, I've taken sort of, uh, routings that I wouldn't have chosen. Um, but the travel agent has saved me $800 on the flight or, you know, $300 on the accommodation, because instead of going to brand A, it's gone to brand B and, um, and they have done that work, which is, it's not my opinion, menial. Um, it's about having the skill set, the accessibility, you know, went back in the days when you couldn't just jump online and find every flight there is, but even now, um, you know, booking with low cost airlines is an exercise in patience. Heavens. I mean, the amount of pop-ups that come up, the uh, amount of opportunities they try and create to upsell you. Um, it's so easy to try and book a flight and end up booking a hotel, a car, insurance, none of which you need, just because you're clicking through. I'm going to give you my thoughts on this because I think it's actually important. I, I don't consider uh, a travel agent as delegating hmm. um delegation in the rant that i have yeah is i'm going to give this to somebody in a less developed company country mm -hmm. that will work for free and they could go onto the same website i would use and they would just deal with the pop-ups oh you mean work for for less you're talking about the whole 
that so that whole thing. thing. Oh, it's I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to tell somebody else to do it for me. The four hour work week type. Yeah, that that kind of mentality that that comes across. And stuff, yeah. Exactly. What I'm looking at is if I'm hiring a travel agent, and I love travel agents because, as you said, they created value. Yeah. But I could tell you if I was on the phone to a travel agent, um, I was spending, I was investing time into that, telling them these are these are my things that I'm looking for. These are my parameters for this trip. I would like you to find something that meets as many of those as possible. Mm. And here's my nice to haves as well. Sure. And I think the difference that I've got is this four hour work week mentality. That's what I'm really pushing back. Mm. Oh, well, I don't want to do email. Let somebody else do my email. Sure. Um, those are the ones that, you know, if, if the email is not that important, don't bother getting back to it at all. You know, like what, what are you doing that is so important? And I, I, I know there's numbers while well, I can routine and make these and I can hire somebody to do all this stuff for mm -hmm. $4 an hour because they live somewhere where they're working off a cell phone because they don't have a computer. Um, I just think that sort of delegation is, is a little arrogant. My money's more important. My time's more important. And it is, but I think if you're doing that, you really have to look at it. What are you delegating and what is the value of it that you, you don't want to do it? You know, if you, if you hire somebody, um, you know, I've got, I've got bookkeepers that work for me that have better skill sets, mm. giving them things from my plate that they are better at, uh, is not just delegating, delegating for me, the way that the internet talks about it anyway, is just pass on the stuff. I don't want, I don't want to deal with this. You deal with this. Sure. And, and that's the point that rubs me just the wrong way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we come from a very similar spot because uh, the word delegate should be used in the way that you and I would use it. So um, we use bookkeepers, for example. Um, I can count. Um, I can run computer programs. I have a rudimentary understanding of how accountancy works. But there are many, many people out there who are much better at it than I am. And so delegating my books to them is potentially a very good use of their time and mine because they can more effectively deliver a better result than I can deliver on my own. Unfortunately, the world has moved in such a way as to, to suggest that, you know, solopreneurs can do everything and you can subscribe to, um, uh, you know, a bookkeeping online service like, uh, I don't know, FreshBooks, um, Intuit is another, QuickBooks, is it? Yeah. Um, Zero, all of these, these guys. Um, and I use one of those. Um, and I often sit there and think, can I take the amount of time off it would need me to actually research getting someone else to do this? Not to put it into Zero necessarily, because the problem with Zero is the same as the problem with QuickBooks. You pay a monthly fee regardless of what you're putting in. Um, and that monthly fee, if you want, you know, service A or service B or your product B, suddenly gets more and more and more. And it becomes actually more expensive than delegating it. So I know that when I ran a business before, I had a deal with a bookkeeper who instructed me, okay, you keep these, you keep that, you keep this. You put it all in a big envelope and you give it to me and I will do the rest. And they weren't using, you know, 
a, a an online bookkeeping system. They were using a system that they already had and, you know, spread the cost. And that was much cheaper. And it gave me the ability to build relationships, to have someone who understood what I was trying to achieve, you know, all of those things. And, you know, that type of delegation is extremely valuable. If I look at Nero's notes, Nero's would not work if I hadn't uh, hired Claire, found a way that we could work together that worked for her uh, and her lifestyle and work for me. And to the extent that, you know, I was able to emigrate and Claire now runs the whole operational side of Nero's. Um, she gets, she earns far more money out of Nero's than I do. Um, but then again, I don't earn anything out of Nero's, so it's relatively easy. Um, but it's really worked for her and it's worked for me in many ways. And to me, that's what, what delegation is about. It's about growth. Uh, because Claire is very, very capable and competent. Uh, the things that Nero's needs, the things that I can't provide remotely. Um, and I think that that's a great use of time. I mean, I talk about the lady that comes and cleans here. I mean, she cleans here for three hours a week. Okay. And that costs me, I don't know what it costs me, but if I did that work myself, which I'm capable of doing, I know how to use a broom. Um, I know how to use a mop. I'm nowhere near as competent as she is uh, because she, she does this for a living. Um, and it would take me, I don't know, probably nine hours to achieve what she does in three hours. Um, so it makes a lot of sense then for me to delegate it, but the, re the relationship I think has to be, you have to consider whether your relationship is fair and appropriate. As, as I said, the, the whole idea of outsourcing to other countries, it does have questions that you should ask yourself, as you suggest the whole sort of ethics side of taking someone in a poorer country. Oh, look here, have some dollars that I, I cast from my table to, to help you. Um, I think, I think it's changing actually. I think the, the differences are evening out. Um, and if you go to these countries, you won't necessarily get a cheaper price than you might get around the corner. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I've found about employing people, um, in the UK and in Europe is that flexibility is, is the key. There are a lot of people, uh, my business partner and I used to talk all the time about this untapped reservoir of people who had given up full-time work to, uh, to be a full-time parent and how there were an enormous amounts of experience and skills out there in the job market who couldn't get a job because they couldn't come into work at nine o'clock and they couldn't stay till six o'clock and they couldn't work 40 hours a week but they could do a fantastic job for 20 hours a week if you allowed them to work around the daycare and the all of the things that parents have to put up with um and we we made huge productivity gains in finding those people who were you know prepared to work for less money if they could have the flexibility that their lifestyle demanded and for us, it was an absolute no-brainer. And I think that type of, of delegation where we're finding ways of sharing work amongst people um, who seek that work, who want that work, you can find ways of making yourself and them more efficient. But you're right. It shouldn't be about pushing people down. It should be about growth. Delegation is about growing the project, the business, whatever it might be. Um, and at some point, you have to consider how you share the spoils of that, mm -hmm. whether that be through salary, reward, bonus, 
equity, whatever it might be. And that is, I think, the key point that a lot of these discussions I've heard online misses. Sure. Because it's about cost saving for me, not looking into the what's in it for someone else as well. You know, somebody that has a cleaning business, that's what they that's what they do. They should be rewarded for the quality of work that they do. Not just I can do I can get somebody to do this and it's cheaper for me because I can earn more by doing this in the, the next half hour. Sure. Rather than doing that. You know, there's there's ways that we can do this, that we build other people up, that we you know, we employ them, we pay them fairly. Um and you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm on a high hill for this, but it is it is something that I've seen this I think what do they call them? Virtual assistants. Yep. Just rub me the wrong way because there are people that just get basically all of the junk that uh, I think should be well discarded or you know uh, deferred. They just get thrown all this stuff, and it's like you will mm. fix all my junk. Um, you know, Stu's inbox. Somebody else could go through it and and do it for him, and you know he could pay somebody a fraction of what he'd pay himself for it. Is that really the best use? Because what are the problems that's going to create? What are you going to lose touch with with your business? Anyway, enough ranting about delegation. I think we've covered the fact that I'm grumpy. <laughs> How do you do this stuff, Stu? What do you, what do you use as a way to, well, you've, you've got all these boxes. You've got all these places where things come. You actually have to do something, don't you? Absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, Everything before leads to this, which is uh, productivity systems are all about getting to this point of what are the most important things that I need to do right now, tomorrow, the day after, the day after, next week. They're a planning tool. They're a, a sort of psychological bucket. They're like a psychological comforter that sits around you so that you feel that you're in control of what's going on in your world. But all of those things are there to give you the time and the focus, the energy to do what you need to do, whether that be looking after a client, whether that be producing whatever your expected output is for your job, you have to find the time and the system should help you do this to do the stuff. And that's why the review ultimately is so important is because you go through these, if you're just in 74,000 things on your list. If you're Stuart, 60,000 things of which 58,000 are complete nonsense. And you have to go through and go, okay, what do I need to do? I need to do this. The most important thing I need to do right now is this. Great. I feel comfortable. This is what I've got to be doing. Sit down and do it. And that to me is the most important thing that I must remind myself of all the time. It really doesn't matter what my task list looks like as long as it is getting me to do the things that I need to do when I need to do them. Mm, cool. I think you've got, you've summed that up very nicely. Really is everything else is just kind of lining things up so that you have the best opportunity to do stuff you need to do and know what you need to do to really move that needle. Cause yeah, there we go. There's our, there's our show title for the week, Stu. Move the needle. Wow, let's move needles. All right. Uh, any takeaways from this, Stu? Uh, well, I, I suppose 
a, a recap of what I said. Uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate it's not how much I get done that counts. It's what I get done. Oh, pithy and succinct and very valuable too. Um, mine would just be to figure out what system works best for you, whether you want to collect everything stew style or whether you want to be a lot more careful of your task list, a la my style. Um, play with it. Play with the different options. See what works for you. See what you prefer. See what brings you the least amount of stress to get to do. Very good. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, obviously, you can find me on threads. Ha! <laughs> I mean, who couldn't? Well, that's not strictly true. You could find Nero's notes uh, on threads. Really? Um, I, you did it? Yeah, I pressed the little button, um, and then a whole... Uh, Bucket of things came up, and I pressed some random buttons, and I think people now follow me, and I possibly follow them. Who knows? Um, and I, I imagine that in some way things start getting made available. I haven't really looked at it yet, but anyway, Nero'sNotes.co.uk is the the stationery store that Claire very efficiently and very effectively runs. Although not this week, as you are listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it at release, um, she is in New Zealand living the dream but you went to new zealand for a week wow that's a long drive <laughs> no scope for a bit longer than a week but um uh we have we have a fantastic sub has been brought into nero's hq uh and there's a there's a danger that i may have to do some work heaven help us uh but yeah nero's notes.co.uk for some fantastic stationery or you can find me at stuartlandon.com where i've been very quiet I haven't said very much, but I'm going to start saying some more. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's deadline time, Justin. I'm, I've been um, toiling away at my, um, ironically, this is the digital marketing course of my MBA. Um, and I thought that I was good at jargon and acronyms, um, but digital marketing really takes the biscuit. I have heard some phrases in the last few days that I've literally sat there and go, that means nothing. It is pure jargon. Or the word I used was not jargon. It was one that just massively packed. Yes, exactly. It's just utter nonsense. But I do, by the end of the month, have to produce uh, a 4,000-word marketing plan. So um, that's kind of occupying my mind. And I've been given a supervisor for my... Uh, business project stroke dissertation. Uh, so I've had my first couple of meetings with him, uh, Dr. Tony. Hi, doctor. Um, so I've got to get going on that because that's kind of the end of the year that's going to be done. And that's that's a big boy. That's uh, 15,000 words or so. So very, very busy. And of course, Home Alone, um, try, trying to keep the dogs together. Um, Chi Chi left home the, again the other day. She made a bolt for freedom. Um, and I, you would have loved, she came back the next day looking as though she'd been out on the tiles. She was covered in <laughs> hay and burr. She was walking a little bit strangely as if, you know, maybe she'd had you know, <laughs> one bottle of beer too many. <laughs> and then she just probably lay down for a day and a half, but, uh, she, she's fine. She's eating again. Um, shit, God, that little tinker. Um, so yeah, I've been too busy to write, but yeah, stuartlander.com there there will be things there and of course you can always email justin and i at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com what about you justin where can people find you on the interweb oh like you i've been very quiet um 
I, I don't really have a lot to say. Well, I have a lot to say, but not 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 much nice things. So I'm keeping quiet. Uh, you can find me at justintwyford.com. That's got links to everything that I'm working on. Um, and you can find our show notes at stationaryadjacent.com. Um, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues to help us grow the show. Our next topic, uh, I think probably very appropriate for both Stu and myself and the poor people that are dealing with this, staying productive in hot weather, especially for those of us that don't have a pool at home. Um, we'll figure out what other options we've got for this one. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>